Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Euthanasia Pro and Con. My name is James M. Russell. Our guest today is Ruth Von Fuchs, president of the Right to Die Society of Canada. Quoting from their website, we inform, advise regulators, for instance, elected or appointed officials, and policymakers, for instance, medical associations and government bodies. We participate in think tanks devoted to improving the availability of humane and reliable self-deliverance methods. And lastly, we present a complete range of options to people who are faced with intolerable suffering from an irremovable condition, always working to help them find the option which is best for them, whether or not that turns out to be bringing their life to an end. Their website is www.righttodie, all one word, no spaces, .ca. Even when Ruth was a teenager, she suspected that dying was often more horrible than it needed to be. She doubted that the standard approach to this problem, namely to avoid thinking about it, was the most effective tactic. There being no Canadian right to die organizations in those days, she joined an American group called the Euthanasia Educational Council. For her BA, Ruth majored in philosophy and psychology and later earned a MA in philosophy. In 1991, Ruth and her husband joined the newly formed Right to Die Society of Canada and were active members from then on. Ruth, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you for asking me. What kind of laws and policy should Canada have regarding medical aid in dying? Okay, I think there should be two pillars, so to speak. Um, this is a situation that exists in Europe, and it was the situation that had been presented to the Supreme Court, and they liked it. Their, their recommendation was basically this, that there, should ha there would have to be uh, some kind of irremediable, incurable condition, not necessarily a, an illness, but some kind of condition, that the person who had this condition found to be intolerable. And it was... The intolerability is to be judged by the person who's doing the tolerating. It's not to be permitted to have a doctor look at you. Oh, you shouldn't mind uh, being unable to play cards with your friends anymore because you drool and you feel so embarrassed that you have to leave. That shouldn't bother you. It's the person who is doing the tolerating. So there are people in Europe when they get old, and, and they are. it's understood that this may be something intolerable to them, and that's respected. So that, that's how the intolerability is defined. And for the irremediable, you do def definitely need to involve the medical profession because, for instance, people could be mistaken. I had a, a very good friend once who was talking to me about ending his life because he knew that I was in, in that area. And he, he had terrible pains in his abdomen almost all the time, and he thought he must have stomach cancer. He didn't want to go through it. But, of course, he did consult his doctor. He's in a country with socialized medicine. And it turned out he just had an allergy, something like celiac disease. It wasn't the gluten that bothered him. It was sweet bran, apparently. And as soon as he stopped, you know, started eating right, he was fine. It went back to all his old activities and singing and music. And, and he's still with us and still happy. So it's, it's important to involve doctors. And this new legislation certainly does do that. Um, 
well, the, uh, the official name that has been given to the policy is medical assistance in dying. And later on, I'm going to suggest that people use that phrase in a search to get fully informed. But besides having suffering started already and become intolerable, I think personally that people should be able to avoid oncoming suffering. That, and, and this is not yet allowed by our law, but I think that it should be eventually. I call it preemptive exiting. If people have received a diagnosis of a certain kind and suffering that is likely to be unrelievable, is likely to be involved, I think they should be allowed to give to take a medicine home with them and take it when they decide the time is right, and perhaps with friends around and so on, and not have to not have to get into horrible, intolerable suffering. In all other areas of life, we don't make people wait for horrible things to start. We let them do up their seatbelts before they see a vehicle coming at them in the wrong lane. We let them buy house insurance before their kitchen is in flames. I think that we should allow people to avoid oncoming suffering. And some people even want to avoid causing suffering to others. A woman named Julian Bennett in BC had dementia, and it was getting worse, and she knew it wasn't going to get better, and she didn't want to, she didn't want to ruin the lives of poor young women or young men who had gone into nursing hoping to help people get a better life, and instead they were just making notes on a chart about her temperature and her whatever on a certain day while she waited to die. And, and the people who came to visit her would not be recognized by her. She would not appreciate the visits. They would not feel good about having come. She just didn't want to be the cause of that. She didn't want to sort of up the suffering total in the world. And I think that's, that's a valid attitude. And I'm ready for the next question. Well, I guess my next question is, what... What challenges have you faced in your effort to get your message out to officials and policymakers and, and the public? Okay, well, I think there are some, some assumptions and some attitudes that people have, and, and that the, for instance, the people who made our current law. It used to be Bill C-14, and I'm not quite sure what its name is now that it's part of the, the revised statutes of Canada. I've been trying to find that out. But it's, uh, it's the, the current law, and it has, besides those two elements I mentioned already, irremediable condition and the intolerable suffering, it has a requirement that people have to be in an advanced state of irreversible decline. That was picked from the Quebec law. And death has to be reasonably foreseeable, a natural death. And this, was, this is a slightly altered version of the criterion that is used in all the American states that have it. Basically, a, a terminal illness criterion, though the minister denies that. People have to be near death. And, and I think that's wrong. And the irreversible decline is just sort of a French way of saying that uh, you, must, you must be dying, you must be actively dying already. And all, all the people have to do is sort of hurry it up a bit. And that's easier for people to understand because people do do want to avoid the responsibility for ending a life. It's a very serious responsibility. And doctors and others would prefer not to have to endure the discomfort that that responsibility causes. So if they can tell themselves, well, this person was dying anyway. I, I, I didn't really do anything. Maybe hurt it up a little tiny bit, but wasn't wasn't really a, a major action on my part. That makes them feel better. And there's also many Many, many people implicitly assume, may not even be aware that they're doing this, that life is not just a right, but a duty. 
that there is some sort of implicit contract with the universe that we entered into when we were born, even though we didn't ask to be born. Once that has happened to us, well, we're, we're hooked, we're trapped. We have to stay until we, we can't survive anymore at all by any method. We have to hang on and endure whatever horrible things happen to us, diseases, accidents, other kinds of things. It's our duty to carry on, soldier on, be brave, etc., etc. And so if people want to leave for reasons of their own, when things get bad, they are sort of looked down upon and, and scorned and given a pep talk and so on. And, and this is this is not right. This is this is. I sometimes tell people that this is something that life is like high school. You have to attend, or the truant officer will come after you unless you have a note from your doctor. But it isn't. It's like college. If a certain course or a certain program has turned out to be disappointing or worse, you can drop that course. You can withdraw from that program. And and. Some people find some people have been dealt a very bad hand in the life game, and I think they have that it is wise, understandable, perfectly respectable of them to want to get out. And you might want to ask me about the uh, overview of the options available to people in Canada. There's a very good website for that. Yes, and what is that website, if you, if you might? If if people are in Google CA. And if they're logged on, they can, they can do this while we talk. I do in Google CA, if you type in the phrase medical assistance in dying, this has become the, the official phrase. I, it happens to, uh, the acronym is MAID, which is pronounceable, M-A-I-D. You just have to remember that it's assistance, not aid. Medical assistance in dying. Then uh, Google comes up with a wonderful uh, on the very first page, there is something from the Justice, uh, the Justice Department of Canada, and it refers you to the Health Department. It says medical assistance in dying. For more information, visit canada.ca slash health, canada.ca slash health. And as soon as you do that, and it's best not to go there directly. It's best to go from this link. And, and if I could add, so, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that there's all kinds of, Things you can click on. Um, yeah, you have to go to the second link, Canada slash Canada dot ca slash health, and then you get uh, who is eligible for medical assistance, who can provide assistance, process for requesting requesting the service, where and how services are provided. Uh, for more information, contact information and links. Uh, it's it's wonderful. It's very good work. Thank thank heavens for computers. Now, there, some of my listeners are, are not actually in Canada. Uh, what would you say right. to them in terms of uh, helping to further the pro-euthanasia campaign in their particular country? Okay. Uh, basically, you can talk it up. If you live in a country with democratically elected uh, representatives for people, you can visit your, your representative when the when the government is not in session, like in the summertime often, they're, they're at home in their writings. So you can make an, uh, a face-to-face -face conversation is good if you can get their office manager to permit you to come and take some uh, written-down information and, and uh, maybe talk about the current law in your country and, and how it should be changed. So that uh, these people tend to hear more from the anti-people than they do from us from the poor people, because we just tend to assume that because it's right, it will happen. 
not always true. Uh, you talk it up with your family, for sure, because if you, for instance, uh, lose consciousness or become, uh, for, for some reason, unable to speak, you're going to want your family to be able to speak for you and to say the things that you would want. And you can even do this via a document, a proxy directive of some kind. Um, you designate people as having the power to make decisions for you if you can't make them yourself. And you can even talk it up with strangers. I have a dog, and I meet other dog owners on, on dog walks, and the dog I have right now actually is approaching death. She's 15, and she is showing signs of getting ready to to need euthanasia, which she will be able to get. Well, my dogs and cats have had very good deaths, and uh, she's going to get one too. She's lying right here at my feet. And and you can bring the subject up with with strangers. And very often, the first thing I'll say was, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if people could get that same kind service when they need it? A veterinarian that a friend used for their cat said that when they spoke to the vet while the, while the cat was dying, they said, wouldn't it be nice if people could have this service? And the vet said, if I had a nickel for every person who had said that to me, I would be a rich woman. <laughs> so you, you can find ways, if you're determined, to bring up the assumption, the, the, the question about dying comfortably, gracefully, preferably not alone, at a time of your choosing, which is how it should be. Yeah. It's unfortunate we can't choose whether or not to be born, but we, we should be able to choose how and when and where to die. Ms. Von Fuchs, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. With a pleasure, and thank, thank you for having this service. Right. And have a good day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the podcast Euthanasia Pro and Con, and our guest today was Ruth Von Fuchs, president of the Right to Die Society of Canada. The weekly episodes of this podcast will alternate between the for and the against sides of the issue. My purpose is to provide you, my listener, with all the information necessary for you to form your own position on euthanasia and physician-assisted suicide or possibly even change your previously held position. Please subscribe to this podcast. And for more information about past and future episodes, go to our website, www.euthanasiaproandcon, all one word, no spaces, .com. And please tell your friends about this podcast. Finally, Euthanasia Pro and Con is dedicated to my friend, Jacobo Louis Fuchs and dedicated to his son, Carlos Fox. Thanks for listening, and hope to have you back next week. Peace.